I love hearing stories um, about people making great connections here in the life of the church. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And it's very near and dear to my heart because there was a time in my life where I didn't have great friendships and, and great connections. I was a sophomore in college, and I had just transferred to a new university. And I was really excited to embark on this new journey of life and a new learning experience that I was going to have. And more than anything, I was, I was excited about connecting with some new peers. And the crazy part was, is it didn't take long for me to realize that I was kind of in some unfamiliar territory. You see, I had always grown up with lots of friends, and I was involved in sports and the youth group and, and played music, and I loved being around people, but I was always comfortable because they were always kind of just my people. And I found myself in a place uh, where I didn't feel that I belonged. It was a strange place to be. I was in a room uh, full of classmates that were excited to learn and that they knew each other and they lived, kind of lived on campus. I wasn't doing that at the time. I was living off campus. And I just felt this deep sense of Man, they have something that I don't. They have just a joy to be here, to be with one another, and I don't have that, and I'm not experiencing what they're experiencing. And because of this, I started to deal with, for the first time in my life, what they call social anxiety. And if you've ever known what that is, it's like this intense and irrational fear that you are being looked at. It's like being in this room right now and everybody's looking at you and thinking you don't actually belong here and you're starting to believe it. It's a fear that tells you that, that they believe like you're starting to, that you're not like them. So because of this, I chose to actually isolate from my peers in my, in my school and in my class. And, and I decided really that all the fears that I was feeling were actually truths about me and my identity and about my circumstance. And, and I basically decided that I didn't belong. And I decided that other people around me, including my peers and my professors, probably thought the same thing. So over the next couple of years, I would, I would disconnect and I would find some friends outside of uh, the university and start making some, some pretty bad choices in life and go down a path that I know that I wasn't meant to. Um, my grades would suffer and I would, I would really just kind of resent everything that school had to offer me. And the strange part, though, is that the further I disconnected, the more I craved that relationship, the more I craved uh, the, 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 the connection that I didn't have. And I really, I hate to admit it, but I never actually uh, solved this problem before graduating. Now, I can't say that it's all bad, and when I look back at those days, I did have people in my life, even though maybe I didn't realize it. Um, but, you know, I even found my wife during my senior year of college, so there were some good things that came out of those days, but it doesn't change the fact that uh, the loneliness that I felt was real, and it was extreme, and it was day-to-day. And the crazy part is, I don't think my peers would have ever even known. They probably actually just thought that I was just a jerk because I didn't connect with them in any sort of way. And so it probably just looked more bad on me. They were just fine. It was an issue in my mind. You know, the obvious cure to loneliness would be friendship, right? Easier said than done. 
but good, healthy, deep, meaningful friendships is the cure to loneliness because, like it says on the screen, friends make life better. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, I know we look at that scripture usually in the light of, of marriage, but I, I, I know that reading through the Bible that God has a plan for us, and that part of that plan is a deep connection with one another. We're to have a connection with him, but also find friends here on earth. It's very, very important to the Lord. And you notice before that in chapter 1, everything that God created, at the end, he said it was good, right? And at the end of every day, it was good. And this is the first time he, he says something isn't good. He said, God, God says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for Adam to be alone. So from the very beginning of time, God knew we needed each other. Tim Keller puts it really, really well, and I love this quote. He says, God made us in such a way that we couldn't even enjoy paradise without friends. Adam had a perfect quiet time every day for 24 hours a day, yet he needed friends. So yes, we need a connection with our Heavenly Father, but we are made to connect with one another as well. And Pastor Jim and Pastor Carter uh, talked about it so beautifully last Sunday as, as, they, as they laid out our mission as a church, which is to connect people to, to God, to each other, and to our purpose in life. Uh, and this obviously comes from the great commandment, which says, love God first and foremost, and secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. So we can then reason that God has created us for relationship. And as Christians, as Christians committed to this church body, it should challenge some of our priorities. So I want you to ask a question to yourself today. Do I have a group of friends that make my life better? You know, for a lot of reasons, uh, loneliness, even before the pandemic, was somewhat of an epidemic here in our country um, is in a Harvard study from early 2021 that said they found that 36% of American adults reported significant loneliness. That's a third of American adults in 2021. This includes 61% of young adults, 18 to 25, and 51% half of mothers with young children. Now, we certainly reached a pandemic a high at that point, and, and we've seen uh, some numbers come down in that, but it's still not great. A study from Gallup this year shows that it has dropped, but still 44 million American adults report significant loneliness. Significant loneliness. That means it's not just a feeling that I had one day. It's a day-to-day -day seasonal loneliness that they're dealing with. It's become so pervasive in our country um, that there's currently bipartisan legislation being introduced to establish a national strategy to combat loneliness and promote social connection. First of all, when do we ever hear about bipartisan things these days, right? So then we know that we've reached a point in our society, in our culture today, that where loneliness is, is such a problem that it's, it's threatening our workforce, it's threatening our economy, and really just the fabric of our society. You know, loneliness is something that, at least in my experience, it doesn't, it doesn't stare you right in the face. It, 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 it kind of sneaks up behind you. It's like being in a crowd and, 
and, and feeling like you should have all these, these friends, and really you just don't. And, and, you know, in our modern way of living, um, you know, it's, it's to be busy, and it's to, it's to be wealthy, and we spend most of our time trying to attain uh, these types of goals that the world say, says is so important. And then one day it can hit us like a punch to the gut that we all of a sudden, you know, I don't have friends or I don't have people in my life that I can sit with and, and, and feel comfortable in my own skin. Or I don't have anyone that I can talk to when I'm, when I'm doubting my faith. I don't have relationships that are making my life better. I spent some time this week talking with a, with a therapist friend uh, about this particular subject, loneliness. And I, I asked her this question. I said, in your practice, how much do you come across loneliness with your clients? Her answer was, all the time. She said, teens, parents, grandparents, worship leaders, communal leaders, they all struggle with this. So none of us are immune to this sense of loneliness. She went on to say, explaining loneliness is an, an emotion, and this emotion can make a person feel powerless, which tends to then lead to isolation, which only increases these feelings. And as she was saying this to me, it was a trigger for me because it was like she was reading my mail 15 years ago. And in a room with this many people, I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this deep sense of loneliness. And there's probably some people in the room right now that feel it right this minute sitting in this room with this amount of people that you feel like they have something I don't. And maybe I don't belong with this group. Maybe you're a student, and you're just getting ready to enter back into school, and last year was difficult, and you didn't have friends, and you have trouble making friends. Maybe you're successful in, in, in your career, and uh, you have all the things, all the material things that, that, you've, that you've gone after, and from the outside, life looks great, but in the, on the inside, you have this deep sense of loneliness and hurt. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom with small children, and it's been months since you've connected deeply with another adult. And you may feel that you have no power in this, and that you've tried everything, but nothing is working, and you may be ready to give up. If this is you, I know, and I understand exactly where you're at today. And I would imagine that there are some people around you that know and understand it as well. Friends make life better. I want to take a look at Apostle Paul's life. Um, when you read his letters, obviously we see uh, just his amazing ability to lay down all the things of his life for the furtherment of the gospel, right? And we learn so much from him in all those things, and they are so important, and we need to continue to study it and become more like he was. But I think sometimes the thing, one of the things we miss is the, the high importance and the high value that Paul placed on friendship. He had so many deep connections with people, and without these connections, maybe he could not have gone as far as he went with the gospel. He needed them. So I want to look at four things real quick that, that Paul shows us so that we actually can share in friendship and share in deep Christian 
friendship. And the first one is that we share joy. It's near the end of Paul's letter to the Roman church where he expresses his desire for their friendship. He says in Romans chapter 15, 24, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there, comma, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. You notice that, after I've enjoyed your company. More than anything, he wants to share in joy with these people. Yes, they are going to help him along his mission, and he needs people along the mission, but he needs the friendship to just be with one another, to just hang out and just, and just enjoy each other's company. I know you know what that feels like when you can do that. Secondly, he shows us that we share comfort in friendship. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5 and 6 say, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. The Lord sent Titus to be a comfort in their time of need. When they were surrounded on all sides, they needed someone to bring them comfort. And I know you know what this feels like when you're facing challenges, you're facing difficulties in your life. And somehow, when you have somebody to sit with you and to talk with you about it and to offer advice, the the challenge doesn't change. The, The trouble's still there. Yet you feel better about it. And you probably feel a little bit more empowered and and strengthened through that friendship to be able to tackle the thing that is ahead. Thirdly, Paul shows us that we share in God's grace. It's in Philippians, which is often referred to as the friendship letter. Uh, Paul had such admiration for them. It's chapter 1, verse 7. He says, It is right for me to feel this way all about you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God has bestowed on us his grace, right? And part of our friendship with one another is to extend that grace, that same grace that we've received from the Lord to others. And it's a beautiful thing when we can do that, when we can, we can show kindness and love and encouragement, and we can show forgiveness to one another, show grace, and then see that reciprocated back, because that's what a friendship is all about. And fourthly, we share a missional purpose. You know, Paul begins this amazing mentorship with Timothy in the book of Acts, and Uh, We know that Paul discipled Timothy and and that their mission really became one together because of their friendship. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Church, we have a mission to save the lost, but how much better is it when we can do it together? That mission becomes even stronger when we can, like our core value, linked arms says, we can come together better we are together, right? And we can, we can increase what we bring to the table. 
Christian friends share a missional purpose. And so we can see from Paul's life, and there's many other examples uh, throughout his letters, but we can see that Paul, even Paul, needed friends. He needed friends in his travels. He needed friends when he was planting churches. He needed friends when he was chained up in prison. He needed friends. And when we don't have these good, healthy, deep, meaningful friendships, man, we can feel a real sense of ins- insignificance. We can, we can feel unworthy and inadequate. Um, and, and then ultimately, at times, we then want to isolate ourselves like I did as a college student. We want to isolate ourselves, and that's when the real trouble begins. Because I think sometimes when we isolate ourselves from one another, sometimes we then isolate ourselves from our Father. And that's when it becomes dangerous. We isolate ourselves from the Father. That's the, that's the only crack in the window that the devil needs to get in and say, hey, you know what, those things that you're hearing about yourself, those things that, you, that, that, that are, you're hearing in your mind, those are not lies. Those are actually truths about you and your identity, and you actually don't belong. And that's the struggle. So we have to stay committed to connecting with one another and connecting with our Father. Because when we have good, healthy, deep, meaningful relationships, we get to experience that joy. We get to have people that care for us, and and we know that we're not alone and we're comforted. And and we get to to share in God's grace and have that reciprocal uh, relationship that that says, hey, yeah, yeah, you're not great, but either am I. And so we're going to extend grace to one another. And then we get to be on mission with one another as well. It's a beautiful thing. There's a Harvard study of adult development. It's the longest longitudinal study of its kind. It's been going on for 85 years now. It's quite the study. Um, But along the way, they decided they wanted to kind of figure out what is the key to just a good life and a happy life. And they said the number one key, after all they're finding it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a lot of information, a lot of years of study. Number one key to a happy life is good relationships. Good relationships. And this is the interesting part. Listen to this quote from the current director of the program, Robert Waldinger. He says, the part that surprised us was that the people who were happiest who stayed healthiest as they grew old and who lived the longest were the people who had the warmest connections with other people. In fact, good relationships were the strongest predictor of who was going to be happy and healthy as they grew old. So this isn't just talking about our mental health, because we know that. We're, we intuitively understand that if we have good relationships, our mental health will probably be better. But they're also saying the surprising part is the effect on physical health. Physical health. They were shocked that they found that these deep friendships produced people who lived longer and had less disease. He went on to say, you know, if you don't have people to, to weather the, the stresses that come with life, what ends up happening is you, you, your body stays in this low-level fight-or-flight mode. And with this come higher levels of, of stress hormones and higher levels of inflammation. And as scientists know today, that that brings, wreaks all sorts of havoc on our, on our body systems. 
So I love it. This is so amazing. And Pastor Jim does this for us all the time. When we see science confirm what the Bible teaches. Whether it's biology or physiology or rocket science or social science, it's confirming what we see and learn in the Bible. Because Jesus said, love God and love one another. The Lord knows what's good for us, right? He knows what's good for us physically and mentally and emotionally. He knows everything that we need. Friends make life better. So what do we do with all of this today? What's the, what's the next step that you can take? You know, in talking with uh, my therapist friend, uh, she, she made the point that, it, it, first off, it's, it's normal and it's okay to, to feel lonely. What you don't want to do is get stuck on this feeling. And to understand that you have power to respond in a healthy way. And at Central, we are passionate about connecting people to one another. And one of those ways that we resource you is, is to, is to uh, as we built the structure of, of small groups in our church. Um, and this is just one way of doing this. And, and this is a place where we believe you can find people that, that want to encourage you. You can find people that want to laugh with you and cry with you and be with you in the difficult moments. And, you know, if you don't have your people yet, I encourage you to take the step today in joining a group. And, and you'll see just three easy steps. This is clinical, okay? But just first, you can go to our website on centralassembly.org groups. Click on Help Me Find a Group, and we're going to talk with you. We're going to recommend some groups for you. This is my favorite part of my job that I get to do is talking with people that are looking to make connections with others. You know, maybe you're one that says, you know what, groups aren't for me. I'm too busy or, you know, whatever the reason is or it makes me uncomfortable. I understand that. I get that. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they're not for you. This isn't meant to be some sort of guilt trip this morning to get you uh, into a group. What I will say, though, is that each of us have a responsibility to this body of believers. If you call Central Home, you have a responsibility to the others that are sitting around you today. And then my hope is that Central isn't just a place where you enjoy the music or where you get your preferred style of preaching but that it's, it's a place where you find your community. It's a place where you can be vulnerable with some others in this church and experience the, the, the life and the fullness of relationship that can come when we have connection in this way. Because I believe that each person sitting in this room and sitting in the room in, in first service and those that are sitting online watching today, that you are not here by mistake. You're not part of this church by mistake. God didn't place you here on accident. He placed you here because you have a purpose. Like Howard said on the video, you have a purpose in this fellowship. Because look around you. I mean, this is, this is church. This is your community. These should be your people. God has called each and every one of us to each other. So today, if you're living a lonely life, then you know what? This is something that we need to amend today and that we can start on a path to helping you move forward and move past this. And for those that are in a season 
of life full of friendship. Man, that's, that's amazing. And I, I just thank the Lord for that. And you should as well. But I want to challenge you today. If you're, if you're in that season where life is full, I want you to challenge to reach out. I challenge us to reach out. Because I'm going to commit to this too even in a deeper way. And let's just be better than the world at this. Let's be better than the world that says, you know what, I'm going to worry about me and the things that I need and everybody else can worry about themselves. Let's, let's as we're driving into church every Sunday morning, ask God, Lord, who do you want me to connect with today? How do you want me to connect with them? Lord, help me find a new, deep relationships, Lord God. Let's take a priority here and build relationships. Because I believe when we do that, we're going to see a different church. And I love this place. I think we have a great church. This is not meant to downgrade anything about who we are. I just think that we can be called to a deeper sense of this relationship. Because imagine us in six months, in a year, in ten years from now, when we've committed deeper to one another. Imagine Sunday mornings when we gather together when we spent the entire week praying over one another, comforting each other, enjoying each other's fellowship, and being on mission with one another, can you imagine our Sunday mornings, with the, how different they would look? Because friends make life better. I want to invite the band up as we close. Friendships are important. Relationships are so important. But the most important relationship in our life is Jesus. This may sound trite, but Jesus is your best friend. And I don't mean that tritely. He says in in John 15, verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You see, a relationship with Jesus is your most important relationship in your life. You know, we can read all the data and the Harvard studies and everything, and I believe those things are an actual gift from God. I truly do. But the thing missing in, that, in those studies is the importance of, of that relationship with our Father, Right? And I'm not saying that, you know, somehow we'll, we'll live a happier and healthier life based on the world's standards just because we decide to be Christians, we decide to, to follow Christ. But what I am saying is that he understands the challenges that you face today. And if you're sitting in the room today and you've never experienced the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, then I want you to take a chance today. Because he understands where you're at. He understands your depression. He understands your loneliness. He understands the anxiety or or addictions that you may feel. He knows this life. He lived this life. And not only does he know your challenges, he's come to break them. He's come to break the chains of bondage that want to handcuff you to the way of living like this world. Because he says you are in the world, but you are not of it. You are his, and there is a day coming when you will know him as fully as he knows you.